Hi guys, this is Vladimir Bosanets. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Bottom Point podcast. 2020 has been incredibly disruptive for sports on all levels, from youth sports leagues to college athletics to professional sports and Olympics. Disruptions like these are also the starting point for change in sports, and we've already seen lots of innovation throughout the industry. To help us navigate this changing landscape, please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell your friends and family about our show. Reach out with show ideas and tell us what you think of our work. Your feedback will help us be on point even more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pod and Point podcast, a podcast about sports, business, and the business of sports. This is Vladimir Bosanets coming in from Seattle, Washington, the home of the world's first gas station, which opened in 1907. Hello, listeners, both young and wise. This is Mike McPhee coming to you from sunny Denver, Colorado where my public tennis courts just kicked off a drop-in pickleball league. And you might just find me hanging out there from now on. Wait, 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 wait. Mike, did you know that the number one city in pickleball is Seattle? It has the most courts of any cities in the country. I've, I've heard at that. At 93. And now you're the second person from Seattle quoting that. So I don't know. We got <laughs> to Snopes that or something. Yeah, Snopes that. <laughs> anyway, See if that's real. In this week's show, we welcome Spencer Anderson of the Indiana Pacers. Spencer is the Pacers director for basketball analytics, and he is going to talk with us about how the NBA and the Pacers are using technology and data to drive better outcomes across the sport. But first, we have a few thoughts on a number of recent news items about sports to help us kick off the show. So get your game face on, grab your number one foam finger, plop on the couch, and put those feet up as we wrap up our pregame. It's going to be a good one. Vlad, here we are. Mike. Here we are. Yet another back. show. We're not sharing show numbers anymore because I don't I lost count. I lost count of show number, but we're, we're off and rolling. I lost count too, actually. It's, it's beautiful. We're off yeah. and rolling. Yeah. But uh, I like I like that little pickleball little banter we had there at the top. Um, uh huh. You know that it's kind of uh, you know I put young and wise in there because the the pickleball is a game for the wise, shall we say? If that's a demographic. Um, but but <laughs> but I'm actually we're I'm a singles guy, singles and pickleball. It's pretty fun. You know, I don't know if you know yeah. the game of pickleball. You know, it's like ping I know, pong, it's one ping of pong our- meets tennis, right? It's one of our family favorites, actually. We we play it during the summer. Uh, there's a little uh, town uh, that we go visit in the summer, rent a house there usually by the beach, and um, they have, they have pickle, pickleball courts there, and we, we love it. Game yeah, it's on. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. A guy like you with that 6'9 reach, man, you, that, that court, you cover that thing in a blink. I got coverage, man. I got coverage. <laughs> like, true. Like nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> you got to play one Left versus right. your three, right? It's you Left on one right, side. back to front. For sure. Nothing, nothing escapes me. I love that. Nothing. That's a good game for you. <laughs> All right. So we got just a couple things to, to banter around here a little bit, Vlad. Yeah. Um, just what do just you a got? a couple little snippets. My first one, news today. Uh, news today: Comcast and NBC Universal they're going to shut down NBCSN. Which, for Uh-oh. all the listeners out there, I know that they were big fans of the Outdoor Channel in 1995 when this <laughs> thing started, and you know they converted over to Versus in two ot ot six when this we got converted to to the Versus Channel, and then it got converted yeah. to NBCSN, and then now we're going to say rest in peace as they 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 close this channel out at the end of this year. Is that the news was? 
Um, and they're going to push content over the USA channel and push content over their Peacock streaming service. So yeah, I think the interesting angle here, Vlad, is that they've effectively punted because they, they had great penetration, 80 million homes, but yeah. their ratings were just non-existent in those 80 million homes. Yeah, right? I'm... I'm curious to know is this is this shoring up resources and you know to be able to fight ESPN on a more even field or is this basically them walking away from sports reporting and saying we can't compete with ESPN and and, and Fox It really could be and and maybe it's yeah to strengthen their case for when they try to buy media rights they say we'll have a stronger presence on our Peacock streaming, right? Or we'll have a stronger presence on USA versus diluted across three spaces. Maybe. Maybe that helps them out. Yeah, and I think the challenge is also, you know, what what is the content, right? I mean, as you and I know in media, especially content is, is king. So what are they broadcasting? I think uh, in our conversation earlier, you said, National Hockey League was, uh, was, mm-hmm. was part of it, uh, NASCAR, uh, you know, anything else, right? It, it's kind of on the fringe. Anything else would be kind of anything yeah, else. So just fringe stuff. That's 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 tough. That that's tough when you have you know when you don't have you know football, basketball, Any of the big baseball, anchors, right? right? None of the big anchors. Just the yeah, big anchors, yeah. right? Exactly. So exactly. kind of not so. surprised, but that one looks like it'll it's going to drop from anybody's cable platform by end of year. I'm not guessing anyone's going to really miss it at this point. So. I, Probably not. Yeah, maybe Probably not, not. notice. This may give an opportunity for the for the local um, you know conference channels to actually gain more prominence, which is sort of interesting, right? I, w- I wonder if that's part of it as well, where they're seeing the you know competitions from like you know the, the SEC network and the Big Ten network and the Pac-12, right? Um, they're keeping their content in inside their walled garden more and more. Maybe, um, and that that could be an interesting sort of play. Maybe. Anyway. Another kind of uh, uh, discussion point here that we don't know how it's going to shake out yet, but there is some reporting um, out of a out of a news story out of the UK that uh, you know one reporter came up with some news that it looks like some folks are considering uh, again kicking the proverbial Olympics can down the road, meaning they might cancel the games yeah. in Tokyo again this summer. Right. Um, right. The officials were very quick to sort of. Uh, Say no, no, no! This is not happening. It has been pushed towards the latter part of uh, July. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets canceled again this this summer. I think we're we're entering, you know, a sort of a an interesting period health wise, global health wise, and some of these variants of the virus are going all over the place and unpredictably so. So I don't know. Um, it's going to be an interesting thing whether the games actually happen this summer. I would be surprised if they do. Mike, what do you think? Would be surprised as well. My take here is I have empathy for the athletes where this is their stage. You know, the, those Olympics have multiple sports where it peaks every every yeah. two years at World Championships and then the other two years at the Olympics. And those are their two peaks. And, and to take one of those out – um, total drag in their careers. You know, somebody's going to be in their peak window, you know, they're, they're 25 to 30 or whatever that is. And their window is going to close on them. And that's uh, a bummer for them. Um, so yeah. And they have to wait another, another four cycle years for the next whenever one. the next one right. comes right. around. Right. So, right. That, I, right. so it's tough. It's a tough one. Yeah. No doubt. But anyway, um, our final news story, uh, Mike, uh, NBC Sports had a had an item this week. Uh, we talked about the NBA expansion in our last couple of shows, and there was some consideration that it might be as much as two and a half billion dollars for uh, each expansion team. Uh, mm-hmm. They were, you know, predicting perhaps two. 
So $5 billion in you know total. Uh, looks like our uh, good old NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, was a little coy with that number, and he actually made it seem like those numbers were kind of low. Uh, and he might be asking for a little for a little more. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, this is kind of getting on an insane level, if you ask me. <laughs> I, I'd say he's anchoring. He's posturing. Pick, pick any of the negotiating terms. He's setting yeah. signals out that if you want to come be part of our platform, then you're going to pay up. And, and, yeah. and it's going to be, who knows what it's going to be, but if, if the, if the news is saying two and a half, sure. Drive that up. Go to three. Anybody out there? Three and a well, half? Anybody? <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, I think what they're basically saying is that the valuations of the current teams are so high and, you know, by virtue of just entering that very exclusive club, like your valuation is going to go up by, you know, 20, 50, I don't know, percent over the next decade if if not even more right so you know he's he's looking to he's looking to maximize that net present value of that future Completely. cash flow i think um but i you know i i mean god i think at you know at over two and a half billion i mean we're dealing with a very very small group of people at this point uh, and, and maybe that's okay maybe that's how it needs to be right yeah I wonder if he's like maybe tempting fate with that, where he's trying to get like go go too far past what that market will bear. Well, maybe he's got to go like oil money. Like the Premier League is so much oil money in there, you know, with with the Man- Manchester City, yeah. right, and I, Chelsea. Maybe and <laughs> maybe he's going after maybe, oil but, bucks. But but everything has a limit, and I and I think at some point, you know, I don't know, he's gonna top uh, out. Okay. That might have a limit also, right? So we'll see, we'll see. So anyway, yeah. Just recall, we said it was a billion a couple shows back, and we <laughs> yeah. clearly are thinking small time yeah. again. How naive! Yes. How naive Gosh. we were. Got to think bigger. All right, Vlad. Just that was a quick little top of the show and our our quick little uh, banter section. But let's get into our guest today. So today's guest on the pod is Spencer Anderson. Spencer is the director of basketball analytics at the Indiana Pacers. He's been in the sports analytics industry for a little while, first with stats, and then after finishing law school as an independent NBA analytics consultant, and now with the Pacers for just over seven years. We sit down with Spencer today to talk about his role at the organization, how the NBA and sports in general have adopted analytics as a core pillar of their operations, and what this means for data-driven decision-making in sports in the future. Welcome, Spencer, to the show. This podcasting gig is a fun time for us, and we really appreciate both our loyal listeners and anybody that's new this week and just checking us out. One way you could help us out this year is to help us reach our goal of gaining more listeners. So if you like our work and our takes, it'd be great if you told a friend or two about our show. Maybe you could tell that old buddy that still thinks he's going to fit into his high school jersey. Or your barber that you see more than your family and friends. Or your friend that thinks college athletes should stay broke because that's how it's always been. Definitely tell that guy because we think we can convince him otherwise. And make sure you've subscribed so that you too can get your weekly Pot on Point fix. We appreciate all of you. Keep on listening, send us some feedback, and stay on point, my friends. Okay, Spencer, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you joining us. Um, could you give us a little bit of a, an overview on your, your windy journey in your first decade in sports, and then a little bit on what you do with the Pacers today? I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, as you mentioned, I, I work for the Pacers. I'm the director of basketball analytics um, and I've been with the Pacers for a little over eight years or so. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a winding journey to get here. 
I, I knew I wanted to work in uh, a front office. So that was my dream job when I was going, going through undergrad at the University of Iowa. And I was majoring in finance and economics and really didn't know how to get there. And, and uh, you know, luckily, I, I really focused my career search as I, I went into grad school. Um, I graduated in 2009, so not, not the best time to be graduating in finance or economics. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, did go back to school and, and got my law degree as well as my MBA, and you know, did some soul searching, and, and it was lucky enough to get hooked up with uh, a few different people uh, that helped me along my my journey, including uh, an internship with the Indiana Pacers and my, and my manager Peter Dinwiddie, who's who's now uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers, also worked for Stats LLC and, and Brian Kopp and Ryan Warkins there who've done a, a tremendous job, you know, both in Stats and Catapult. Now they're doing some other cool things in the sports uh, analytics industry. Um, and then got lucky enough to, uh, you know, be hired full-time with the Pacers as the NBA invested in, in Stats technology at the time, uh, the player tracking technology. And uh, I've been working in analytics since then, and I manage our group. Uh, we we help with uh, deci the decision-making process as one piece of the puzzle for our coaches, as well as our front office on personnel, and um, also our performance staff. Uh, that's very cool and, and compelling background you have there, Spencer. Hey, could you give us maybe a maybe like from a sports fan's perspective, when we are watching a game, can you give a little bit of the over, overview on the technology and the data that's being used at the arena? And then maybe we'll work it back from there to hear a little bit about what you guys use or the industry uses back in practice and in rehab and things like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a tremendous area of, of growth, you know, since, since I started, the NBA has invested heavily in analytics and in data collection and mm -hmm. you know, for example, at the game, you know, there's there's a number of camera angles. Uh, there's the, the player tracking system that Second Spectrum uh, provides to the NBA. Uh, we're getting uh, data points from from there. Uh, the NBA also is provides uh, a number of different stats to the teams, and they're really, I think, their goal is to kind of democratize the data collection process and to make it uh, more seamless and streamlined for the teams so that we don't have 30 teams that are doing data collection and, uh, you know, the inefficiencies that that brings. Um, mm -hmm. You know, additionally, and then, you know, more data comes online after the game. You know, there's a number of technologies that take that video and, and they add metrics uh, such as like a synergy sports technology um, there's a, there's a few others that are, that are involved as well. Um, and you know, that, that's a high level overview of, of some of the, the data streams that are coming out of, of those games as you're watching them. Spencer, when did the league, uh, kick off some of these initiatives with, uh, with analytics and was there a point in time specifically that, you know, made a kind of a, you know, a turning point in, in when this became, um, a thing for the league? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. You know, really when I started, I think is, is one of the kickoff points in 2013-14. You know, prior to then, there had been some teams that had invested in the player tracking technology. Um, but 2013-14 was the first season where that technology was in all of the arenas. And, uh, you know, I think that was 
kind of a kicking off point for the league to really put their weight and in, in, uh, into this uh, data collection process and to help the teams uh, with data. Um, and, and they help on a number of areas. You know, not only are they helping us with data collection and and uh, providing a data streams to the teams, but they've also been uh, instrumental in building lines of personnel to come to teams. So finding the people that have these data uh, backgrounds and helping to yeah. provide the teams with a pipeline for, uh, you know, people that can handle this type of data. That's interesting. And, and one of the things I wanted to maybe click on real quick is a, not to get too deep, but what types of technologies are in a building? For instance, there's probably cameras up in the rafters, but do the players wear a sensor? Does the ball have a sensor? Does the rim have a sensor? What are, what are some of those things that maybe are league-wide and maybe not necessarily proprietary to the Pacers? You know, right now, there are not any sensors in the ball or sensors on players. Um, you know, those are issues that, that are far above my pay grade as to, you know, who decides uh, whether those can happen, but those would have to be collectively bargained between the, the NBA and the Players Association. But there are cameras in the rafters. Uh, there's cameras above uh, most hoops. Um, and, and really in practice is, is where, you know, we can invest in technology when it comes to uh, tracking some of those things in terms of practice and tracking shots and, and uh, tracking uh, workloads and, and that type of thing. Take us through a little bit about what, what a day in the life is for, for your team and maybe in your role. Talk us a little bit about how you might interact with the coaching staff or the front office or maybe even to the, you know, the physio sports medicine team. Could you take us through a little bit of a day in the life there? My job really revolves around the NBA schedule, as do, you know, a number of our folks that, that work for the team. Right now we're in the heart of the NBA season. So you know, we've got a game tomorrow. Uh, you know, we our group has sent out, you know, some information on our upcoming opponent for our coaching staff. You know, we may answer different questions that the staff has. And, uh, you know, when it comes to practices, we assist with mining any sort of data that's coming from practice. Uh, we provide that to the staff. We, we also interface with our director of sports science, Sean Wendell, on a number of things when it comes to the weight room and uh, out on the court for practice. And you know, we're tracking a number of different things that, that he finds important in order to you know, make sure that all of our players are prepared to their fullest to really step up into whatever role that the coaching staff seeks of them you know, in the upcoming uh, days to come. One of the things we've talked about in, on our show is, is the adoption level. And, and you mentioned in the league seven, eight years back, uh, this really started to get some critical mass. Makes us wonder if even within teams that there might be varying levels of adoption. Could you take us through a little bit of that? Are, are players uh, responsive to this tracking of their performance and their shot making and, and different stats like that? And, and, and I suppose the front office is super uh, interested in the types of data that you can spit out. But you can, can you take us through a little bit about the, kind of the adoption and, and, and how folks view this type of tracking? Yeah, I mean, I think now we, we live in a area of, or, or a time when we're getting tracked all the time and that's just kind of common. 
uh, and people know about it. Um, you know, we're never going to track our players unknowingly and, and uh, you know, we're doing it so that we can help them be as prepared and to be as su successful as they can. So, you know, I think our players are really receptive to some of the data that we can provide. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it's one piece of the puzzle. You know, we're merging a lot of different data sources, you know, from uh, what's happening in practice in terms of tracking and maybe tracking shots or what have you. We also, you know, have video data uh, and, and the coaches uh, provide that to the players as well. And then we've got, you know, a lot of times analytics is thrown out as a buzzword, but, you know, we've been using analytics for years and years when it comes to uh, making decisions. What I think of analytics is, is using information to make the best decision possible. And we've got a number of folks across our organization and across the league that have, uh, they've probably forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. And so, you know, we use their expertise as well when it comes to decision-making um, both on the court and, and uh, you know, what types of skills and traits are we looking for uh, or Kevin and Chad and Kelly uh, are looking for when it comes to building the team. Is the, is the league kind of taking its own, you know, leadership role and are the teams sort of doing their own, you know, thinking around where they need to be with, with analytics or is, is there another model that they're following or are there others that they're trying to emulate in terms of the adoption and uh, how, how well this is, this is prevalent throughout the teams? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when I started, there were a few teams that really didn't have any investment in this area and, yeah, you know, over time it's, it's grown dramatically. Um, I would say that all 30 teams have, uh, at least a department of, of a few people up to, you know, it's hard to know exactly what everyone's doing at other teams, but I would say upwards of, of 10 to 12. Um, and I think it really mirrors the investment that has happened in baseball. Um, you know, baseball, I think with, with Moneyball and, and uh, a lot of the technologies that they've implemented, uh, you know, at this area has just grown and grown and grown. And I think, uh, you know, we're maybe a few years behind them, just given the, the differences in sport. But uh, I think that the investment and the increasing uh, importance of this area is, is going to continue. Spencer, let's turn the dial a little bit. It's certainly helpful to learn about the operating dynamics today and some things you guys are doing at the Pacers. But I'm going to bet you're getting your, your doors knocked on constantly by by new entrants and new companies. Can you take us through a little bit of some of the innovation process, how folks may approach you, how much volume's there? Is it a U.S.-driven industry or is there stuff from across the globe? What are those type things that are happening uh, as new entrants into this space? Sure. Yeah, that's an excellent question. It's interesting because we live in a time now where the cost of data creation or data acquisition is, is really decreasing dramatically. And we've got a lot of, uh, you know, our phones, for example, have so much computing power, they can be a da data collection device. Um, and so you, you see different technologies, you know, across a, the whole realm of performance and sports that have kind of taken off and it's very segmented and a lot of the technologies are niche or, or, uh, you know, trying to attack one certain issue or one certain, uh, potential problem. 
um, but they also are coming from around the world. You know, we've, we've got vendors, you know, one of them is an is, Israeli-based company. Um, you know, there's some that are in Europe that, that we work with as well. And, you know, really we're lucky also that the NBA is taking the initiative because they understand that, you know, we've, we've got 30 teams here and a lot of the companies are lo looking to get into one of those teams. And so they vet a lot of the technologies as well. And they put, especially when it comes to some of the performance technologies, they make sure that whatever data is spitting out from whatever hardware or, or software that uh, these companies are producing, that it's good data and it's uh, something that can be replicated and it's reliable. And, uh, you know, we're lucky that, that the NBA is, has really taken a step there as well to help out the teams because, you know, otherwise, you know, we're really doing what VCs potentially should be doing as to figuring out which technology is going to win the day. And that's, that's really challenging when we're in the business of trying to win basketball games. <laughs> yeah. You know, one, one of the things that I think listeners and, and any of us that are now weekend warriors, we're, we're interested sometimes into what types of technologies that we see in the big leagues or in the pro sports, could we use at home? You know, in basketball, there's that home court yep. app that lets you map your shots what types of things, maybe not at the brand level, but what types of technologies do you see becoming more available to a you know, high school athlete or a weekend warrior, um, knowing that they're not necessarily going to have the deep pockets, but as things become democratized and things, could you comment there? Sure. And, and I think Mike is asking this question only because I think he wants to compete with me and sort of show me okay. stats. Where he, where he can be better in certain things instead of therefore think he's better. Right, but I won't ever be 6'9", so help me out here, Spencer. <laughs> I'm stuck at six feet. No, six feet. Well, you can do plenty with six feet. There's there's guys in the league that <laughs> they're very successful at that height. So, uh, you know, for, for the you know weekend warriors or, or coming down to amateur sports, I mean, I think it really takes a few years, but it eventually trickles down as a lot of these – companies are, are looking to take, you know, maybe uh, a chunk of that huge market. And, you know, I, I see a lot of shot tracking technologies. I think that a number of them, you know, have set up different uh, technologies in different gyms where you can, you know, have a workout and they'll tell you, you know, how many you made, how many you missed, you know, maybe some stuff mm -hmm. to work on, which is pretty cool. Um, I would guess that at some point, you know, you can, you know, have a leaderboard or something to see how you're doing compared to other people that have worked out there. Um, I know that, you know, there's, there's a number of different areas that are trying to attack the problem of sleep. And, you know, that, that's a huge challenge, um, especially when, you know, we're talking about the NBA and there's, there's a lot of travel and, and uh, a lot of nights in different hotel rooms. I know the, the NBA does its best to make sure that that is, uh, it mitigates as much as it can on that front. I'm trying to think of other performance technologies that might come to uh, either amateur or, or weekenders. And, uh, uh, you know, I would guess that at some point there's going to be a tracker that's going to be available or a wearable that, you know, you can track, you know, a specific workout and, and maybe they'll add different metrics that uh, might have happened during a, a five on five game or, or that kind of thing. I think a lot of this technology is going to get into the hands of the general consumer. It's just a matter of when. 
Do you guys also employ some off-the-shelf, uh, you know, solutions like you know the Apple Watch and things like that? Just not necessarily as a as a sort of you know sy- systemic kind of way of you know tracking things, but just in terms of you know um, helping the athletes with with you know certain areas if they need to focus maybe more on uh, you know certain aspects of their of, of of their game or building their stamina or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I know the in the bubble the NBA. Uh, think it was a ring aura or a ring yes and, yeah and so you know they had a partnership with the league and and offered uh the aura ring to to the players as well as the staff that were down there um and i think that they were they were targeting a couple of different areas in terms of where that would be beneficial both from a COVID standpoint yeah uh in terms of tracking a number of different things whether it be when they were sleeping and different changes in temperature. Um, so that, that was, that was very interesting for us. And I know that we had a number of people, staff that, that participated. Yeah. And then what about the, uh, NCAA world? I mean, I, Mike and I have talked about sort of how the college world is, you know, really not that amateur, um, anymore or has, hasn't been for a very long time. And so there's, there's a lot of money that these, you know, programs make. And obviously, you know, winning means, uh, you know, a great deal to them also. How aware of you of uh, some of the activities that, that they're employing? You know, I think that they're, they're a ways away from, uh, you know, what we do in terms of analytics. But I know that there's a, there's a lot of technologies that have been implemented on the NCAA side at a number of the different programs. And, you know, really the name of the game for, for a lot of those college teams is, A, how, how can you find talent? And B, how can you develop that talent in terms of skill development so that they can be the best basketball player or athlete or name the sport as they can be? And uh, we're getting better and better technology to help give those feedback loops. Let's take a let's put on our uh, our future casting lens. So when I say, what do we see in the next ten or fifteen years? Where, where do you see analytics? How how deeply integrated will it be in the NBA game or in the the sporting world? Could you just kind of forecast that? For just take a little leap there with us. I can't see it going the opposite way. Of you know, it's not as important and it's you know, less investment. I, I think that there's going to be more and more investment as new technologies come out that can give us better, more granular data, you know, really the Mm -hmm. the point of analytics is to help uh, or even statistics when we started, you know, they started with a box score that was pretty basic, you know, track points and maybe shots. And it's just grown from there as we get better metrics to help explain what has happened. And, you know, I think there's a number of technologies that will, kind of be democratized you know maybe it's player tracking from uh, broadcast video so then you know right now we have player tracking for all the nba games but we don't have it for the ncaa or we don't have it for high school or the weekend warriors but you know as that gets uh, more mainstream and gets cheaper then you know i think we're going to have a broad vast set of, of data that that will be pretty valuable and, and interesting to a number of different folks um, you know, I think in the performance area is going to be similar, right? You know, how can we better explain uh, all these different that are happening on the basketball court? And we're going to get technologies that are going to help us do that. And that's going to enhance uh, what coaches can do as well, right? They're going to have a better idea of, of how to best coach players. 
But at the end of the day, all of these are going to be tools, right? They're going to be one piece of the puzzle. You know, our, our job is really difficult because we're trying to not only project how, you know, a high school or a college player is going to perform, you know, seven, eight years later, but, you know, how are these are people at the end of the day and there's different motivations yeah. and there's a number of different things that are going in their head before they, they, they take the court. And, uh, you know, that's, that makes it challenging and makes it fun. Let's wrap with this final question and, and want to, uh, kind of hear a little bit about how you guys are doing some in a, in a new and innovative area. So innovation's foundational to our podcast as well as to your everyday job. But we all know that inclusion and bringing in young folks and diverse points of view helps us to be more innovative. We understand you've got a pretty uh, compelling internship program there with the team. Can you give us a little bit of an overview and, and uh, talk about w- what that does for you and your team? Mike, I appreciate you asking about the internship program. It's been uh, a big asset to the Indiana Pacers and has been, uh, you know, something that's been been going on for a number of years. We've got some folks who have been with the Pacers for 15, 20 years that started as interns. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get my start as an intern as well. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we had to suspend our internship program during COVID-19, um, but are hoping to get it back up and running uh, as soon as we can, really. You know, our intern program, we've had a number of different folks from all over the country that have participated and have seen some, some really good success. We've got a number of people that are full-time that are with the Pacers that started as interns, as well as a number of folks who have moved on to other teams. And we, we look for folks that are, that are not only going to be uh, folks that are interested in basketball and analytics, but also you know, we want to make sure that we're inclusive and, and we've got uh, maybe different back, different points of view. And that's been a, a real uh, success for, for both our organization and for, for the students that had come in and participated in the program. Spencer, that's super compelling. Uh, Vlad and I are innovators as well as always interested in hearing about that inclusivity and, and well done by your, your team and your org. So appreciate you joining us today and, and, and giving us an overview on, on technology in the NBA and analytics and just some things you do there with the Pacers. And we b- wish you a best of luck down the line. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been terrific being on and, and looking forward to, to following your podcast, Pot on Point. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Spencer. Take care. Thank you. All right, Vlad. That was, that was a cool chat with, with Spencer. Yeah. Um, I'm particularly interested in the old weekend warrior angle to see what, what type of tech we can bring back to the house. You know, you might just come to my driveway someday and I got cameras all around, around the hoop or something. I, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just looking at all these apps I can add to my iPhone and can I, you know, sync it up with my watch and, you know. Yeah. I got a business idea. You know, that home tracker, we'll do a home tracker for pickleball, you know, and it's going to like, it's going to measure your reach across the the pickleball court. I could see it. And then we should live stream it, like I, I, uh, some of the ultimate, some of the ultimate tennis, like the ultimate tennis folks, right? Okay, now we got to keep this idea close to the vest now because this thing's getting hot. <laughs> All right, very well. Um, you know, we got to wrap this show with a come on man segment. So, um, Mike, I, I'm, I'm there. It's all yours. I've got one for us. Um, okay, we're gonna go uh, across the pond, but that typically means Europe. But we're actually gonna go down to Africa. We've got the African okay. Nations Championship, a little soccer tournament. And yes. our story today has to do with 
Zimbabwe versus Cameroon. Okay. And the Zimbabwe Warriors head coach has accused the host nation of Cameroon of witchcraft. Uh, (laughs) He he has accused them of witchcraft because as they walked out onto the pitch, they found a bat carcass on the field. Okay. (laughs) And I can't make this up. They, They were thinking this is witchcraft ahead of the game. They're trying to put some type of juju over the outcome. I don't know what the right <laughs> words are to use here, Vlad, but, right. um, but, but this is some of the, the gamesmanship in the African nations mm. championship on, between man. Cameroon and Zimbabwe. I, I can't make now, this up. Now, now Mike, this, this was not, not a racing news. bat, right? This was just a natural bat. <laughs> I, I do not know if it was a racing bat, but a guy like you might ask that question. Okay, so I've got a I've got a little personal story okay, here, Mike. Of course so you do. for some of the listeners who may or may not know this, but I actually lived in Nigeria growing uh-huh. up, and one of my best uh, friends, uh, my, my 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 parents' good friend, was a coach of one of the Nigerian soccer teams, local soccer teams there. I think at one point he may even coach the um, national team. But anyway, but one one evening we were at his house, and he was telling us kind of about you know some of his experiences. In in sort of you know dealing with the local players and how it was different from Europe mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff, and he described this one uh, young young soccer player who had a you know a pain in his leg and it just wouldn't go away, and you know over one of the weekends he ended up going home to his village and he came back with this like you know wrap around his leg that was like half bloody and all kinds of weird stuff and he like looked at it and it's like what is going on. <laughs> And he said he went to his witch doctor, and the witch doctor put some stuff on it to make him feel better. And Mike, I hit that floor in about two <laughs> seconds. That's the first time I fainted <laughs> as he was explaining this story. And so, look, look in Africa. This is this is this is this is serious stuff, man. This is serious stuff. So I totally get it. It's a come on, man, but I totally oh, get it. Oh, really? Okay. Anyway, well. so. Good one, Mike. Good show this good, week, Vlad. Good wrap-up of the good show. Good wrap-up. Had a fun one. Good talking with Spencer. Um, it's a good one, Vlad. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And again, we know that you know how to click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. So uh, please do that and follow us. Tell your friends. Tell your families about us. And um, if you want to send us some feedback, uh, our information is in the show notes. So uh, please connect with us and tell us how we can be on point even more. Mike, good game. Good game, Vlad. We'll see you next week. 